Jumbo, fellow adventurers, I'm Mike Dooley, here to remind you once more that your thoughts become things. And I'm going to do it today by dropping another edition of a week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. These were broadcasted live this week. My answers to fellow adventurers' questions about life, dreams, and happiness, and each one took 5, 10, or 15 minutes. We've sewn them all together for your viewing and listening enjoyment. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, and happy Monday. Time for a spiritual tune-up on the heels of last Friday when I spoke to Alzheimer's disease. Uh, somebody asked the follow-up question, Mike, what about brain diseases that are caused from a lifetime of aspartame or a sensitivity to certain toxins and have nothing to do with anything else? Okay, great question. It's through understanding every nuance and virtually every nuance is understandable that we regain our power. So absolutely, aspartame and toxins can kill you Boom. But, and this doesn't negate what I just said, but it, it, it helps you understand the bigger picture. You create your own reality. There are no ifs, ands, or buts. There is no mitigating factors. Your thoughts become the things and events of your life. It is the end-all be-all of living the life of your dreams, and it is the end-all be-all of exactly how you choreograph each day, week, month, year, decade, your entire life. You are at the helm of your ship. So what seems like a contradiction right now is not. Here we go. When I teach that our thoughts become things, and it's as predictable as gravity, invariably, people will ask me one of two objections. You know, Mike, um, what about those things that we thought about but we haven't got. Other thoughts of yours that you did think got in the way of the ones who have not yet become things in your life. So the reason some of your thoughts have not yet manifested is because other thoughts of yours have and they got in the way. There's no other explanation. Now that does not speak to this question, but it sets me up for it because the second objection I get from Thoughts becoming things, TBT, being as predictable and dependable as gravity. Mike, what about those things that happen to us? Those manifestations of ours, like Alzheimer's, like cancer, like you know, all kinds of terrible things that can happen in time and space, seemingly terrible things. What about those things that have manifested in my life that I never thought about ahead of time? Everyone can think of manifestations, good, bad, ugly, that they never thought about ahead of time. So how does that reconcile with thoughts becoming things? If you don't get this right, your power goes out the window and it's so easy to get right. Sometimes for your thoughts to become the things and events of your life, you need to be drawn through unthought of territory. You're totally going to get this. So let me give you an, an analogy and then I'll take it to health being drawn through unthought of territory. I live in Orlando, Florida. I love to tell this story. I love Miami. I love South Beach. It's like a whole nother world. I'm even learning the language. Um, and occasionally I get in my car in Orlando and I drive in a journey, an adventure to South Beach. My end result, my dream come true. The thing I'm thinking about is South Beach, baby. That's where I'm going. I don't think about much else, all right? But along the four-hour drive, I am going to be drawn through unthought of territory. I'm going to find out I need gas in Lakeland. It's like, I didn't think about Lakeland. Well, you thought about South Beach, and the only way you could get your butt there in a car is to drive on the, the turnpike, and, and now that you run out of gas, you, you pull over uh, in Lakeland. I don't know where ahead of time I'm going to stop for fast food. I don't know where ahead of time I might see smiling faces pass me by or flick me off. I don't, I don't think of any, I don't know where the road's going to be under construction this time. I don't know who's going to be stalled with a flat tire as I approach South Florida, which is the norm. I don't, 
I have not thought about any of those things. But they're all necessary for me to have the journey, the adventure along the lines of my beliefs as to what's acceptable to get my butt in South Florida. This does not mean anything could happen to anybody on their journey. No, only things in alignment with your thoughts, your beliefs, and your expectations will manifest on a journey that's taking you to an end result, a destination, something you've been thinking about, dreaming about. In this analogy, it is South Beach. So I'm going to see the kind of people I expect to see. I'm going to stop at the kind of places I expect. I'm going to meet circumstances that are in alignment with my beliefs about traffic, Florida, sunshine, thunderstorms. Everything that does happen is still of my creation, just not my conscious directed thoughts, beliefs, and expectations. Whereas the ultimate point of arrival, South Beach, I'm clearly thinking about. I just can't wait to hit the sand and do some body surfing and who knows what. So, so the end result and me taking action towards it will draw me through unthought of territory. Now, let's take this to health. A lot of people have unintended manifestations when it comes to a bad back. Uh, cancer, uh, stubbed toe, uh, life is hard, people are mean. Those are end results. And the universe is like, life is hard? You said life is hard? I heard you the first 7,416 times. I'm going to show you a hard life. People are mean? Is that what you said? God is angry? I'm going to show you mean people and what seems to be an angry God. Those are the destinations, the end results, the dreams that a lot of people focus on. People don't realize that what you think about, you bring about. And if you focus on what you don't like, you get more of it. Or if you focus on guilt and, and you think, well, I'm smoking a lot of cigarettes and everybody says it's going to give you cancer. It's scientifically proven. Oh, I'm going to get cancer. Oh, and you think that every time you have a cigarette. I'm not saying you should smoke cigarettes. I'll speak to health and taking health precautions at the end of this. But those are your end results. And so you're either thinking of disease or thinking that you are frail or thinking that you are vulnerable while thinking many other things in alignment with that. And so suddenly you have a car accident. Well, I wasn't thinking of a car accident. No, but you were thinking chaotic thoughts. You were thinking it would be great if you had an excuse not to go to work, hypothetically. You were thinking that people drive like idiots. You were thinking uh, all kinds of different thoughts that in alignment with all of your other thoughts will produce something that you had not thought about. Now, here's a kicker. Here's really important. Your desired end results or unintended end results, your focal points, your destinations, your dreams, your end results, whether good, bad, or hideous, sometimes hideous, when those have been locked upon, Okay, and you're thinking God is angry and people are jerks and they drive like morons. If that's set in to being circumstances, the circumstances of your life will begin coalescing and rearranging what's going on in your life. You will think, oh, what a coincidence. Oh, what a surprise. Oh, I had no idea. This is circumstances aligning to give you a physical representation, a manifestation that mirrors what you were thinking about ahead of time. So all of a sudden, these unthought of things are brought to bear so that you can later experience what you had locked in on. People are idiot drivers, for example, or my body's old and it's falling apart and it's susceptible and vulnerable to this or to that. Or there could be other reasons why somebody might want Alzheimer's. We talked about that in just uh, one spiritual tune-up ago. Maybe they want more attention. Maybe, Louise Hay also said this, somebody else pointed it out. Maybe they are in resistance to the way the world is. They are not going to have it. They want it on their terms. And that creates this schism that, that, that affects their brain. Or maybe... They wanted to give their loved ones an easier way to be able to deal with uh, the grief that would have otherwise been the case if it was a sudden stroke. 
they're going out. They have to go out one way or another. We calculate how we're going to go out, when we're going to go out. And so somebody might fixate, fixate on Alzheimer's or cancer or AIDS or coronavirus. Now, the end result, intended or not, will be the illness or maybe it'll be the transition to the afterlife or maybe it'll be a car accident. Okay, one of those, those end results will change the circumstances so that to the physical senses, there'll be a logical lead up and dots connected for there to be this um, intellectually architected manifestation. What I'm saying is you might be subject to aspartame or some other toxins. And if you are looking for a way out or to ease the grief of others and you choose Alzheimer's, well, then there's going to be a rearrangement of circumstances. This is always the case down to the microscopic level. And you will become susceptible to all that toxins that you took in. But this explains so well why other people exposed to the exact same toxins or to the exact same diseases or to the exact same cigarette smoke did not get it. How come one person gets the disease and the other person doesn't? Because the disease and what it brings about and what it makes possible required uh, justification. So it, it leaned on aspartame. Okay, so this will be true for every single thing that happens. The end result will work backwards and draw from the circumstances that you give it or that it has available to itself to produce the manifestation, intended or unintended. Okay, so absolutely, toxins can kill you. Absolutely. But your vulnerability or susceptibility to them or your exposure to them will be predicated on your otherwise thoughts, beliefs, and expectations, desires for your life, known desires or um, subconscious desires. Your subconscious desires could even steer you out of harm's way or it could steer you into harm's way without you even knowing it. And or in harm's way, if there was no way to use your other thoughts to get you out of harm's way, it might make you super capable of dealing with the carcinogens that other people who looking for a way out would not be able to defend. So the end result forces the circumstances, forces the disease, forces your proximity to toxins, forces your inability or ability to deal with those toxins. Always, we create our own reality. You create your own reality. Your thoughts become things. There is nothing else. And yes, you will always be able to look back over your shoulder in time and point to circumstances that did this to you. And it wasn't you, it will seem. But it was you who rearranged the circumstances because you had thought of the ultimate destination and you were only drawn through unthought of territory as a means to bring it about. Definitely complicated, but definitely simple. Sometimes what we think about intentionally or not will draw us through unthought of territory that is still in alignment with all else we think, believe, and expect about the nature of reality. This is why the unexpected happens. And this is why one person can be affected by toxins and another person can't. Okay. I am not a doctor. I do recommend, I highly recommend stay away from toxins. You don't know what all of your beliefs are about your vulnerability, about aging, about these things. So by all means, choose healthy. Now, you can rightly say with adequate beliefs of your invincibility and your love protection that you can eat Cheetos and Doritos for the rest of your life and live quite, he quite healthy. And you probably, I don't know, you probably could if all of your beliefs were lined up that way. I don't recommend it. Instead, because you don't know exactly what else you think or believe or your subconscious beliefs or what your parents told you or what society is saying, play both ends to the middle. Believe in your invincibility. Believe in your incredible supernatural health. 
but also, you know, eat your carrots and your potatoes and your vegetables and your fruits. <clears throat> Exercise, play both ends to the avoid toxins, avoid carcinogens. Do all that logical stuff. It can only serve to your greater good and help your, your system, especially your beliefs that may otherwise slip you up, trick you up um, to serve you in ways that you want them to serve you. So choose health. Always choose health, but don't think that random crap can happen to anybody at any time because they happen to build their home on top of a, a uh, you know, a gas field or or whatever. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, thoughts become things. I'm Mike Dooley, and it's time for a spiritual tune-up. Today's question: Holy mackerel! explain mass casualties if we create our own reality. Mike, if we create our destiny individually, then how do you explain mass deaths all at the same time to different people like the Titanic or that Pacific Rim tsunami that killed like, you know, a million people 20 years ago or Auschwitz? They can't have all predicted those events and then been thrown together for it to happen. Um, no, you're absolutely right. But the way you asked this awesome question, ask these kinds of questions because they have answers that will empower you. All questions have answers that you ask presupposes the answers are within reach. And as you tap up as you fill in the tapestry of your understanding of the reality that we live in, more power, more power, infinite possibilities. So the question as it's asked, um, they couldn't have all predicted it and then been thrown together for it to happen. That implies that reality is created along a linear timeline the same way that we witness it. But just because we witness and experience these magnificent jungles of time and space on a linear timeline does not mean that's how they are brought together, not in the beginning and not even now. As I have shared before, the best analogy I can come up with is the production of a, a cinematic movie, a, a thriller, an adventure story, one with lots of romance. For there to be an advantic... A, a, a romantic adventure story, there first needs to be a script. Before there can be a script, there first needs to be objectives. The objectives might include lessons to impart, um, loves to have, certain people, certain fears, certain strengths, certain inclinations. I'm going to be left brain, right brain. I'm going to come loaded down with big muscles. I'm going to be tall, bald, and handsome. All of this exists prior to the ability of creating a script and then the script goes into the feature film production and the whole feature film is shot at different times. Sometimes they shoot the end of the movie before they shoot the beginning of the movie. And then they go to the editing room and they cut and they splice and they merge and they add special effects and suddenly what was completely canned uh, and fake and uh, stilted and rehearsed will be drawn together so that just at the in the nick of time when the hero uh, is about to lose their life, um, a little sparrow comes in and gives them hope and they soar into the sun together. And it's like, oh my God, I thought they were going to die. Oh my God, can you believe so-and-so showed up? Oh my God, it's unbelievable. When we watch it on a linear timeline with popcorn at a movie theater, it's a totally different experience than when it was created. And in time and space, it is exactly the same. All circumstances, all events, all, you know, whether it's uh, the U.S. Open or whether it's something um, heartbreaking like the recent active, uh, earthquakes in Haiti. All of these are probabilities that will meet certain objectives by willing participants. I, I know that boggles the brain that's wired to a timeline. 
But what's the alternative? That, that crap happens to good people. That would be an easy cop-out. That would absolve us of all responsibility. But any truly spiritual message is all about personal responsibility. And you don't have to blame yourself. And the things that are seemingly bad are not so bad. There's always a silver lining. This whole thing is playing out in the heart of God. Everyone's winning. Everyone's getting better. Everyone's going to make it to that promised land. Don't use your physical senses to interpret what is playing out. So, in life, it's exactly like a movie. Before the life begins, we have objectives. We have desires. We have fantasies. We have lessons we want to learn. And we want to learn them with a certain group of likely people. Nothing is set in stone. And from there, we take uh, a gander at all of the worlds, at all of the time epochs, at all of the possibilities that would resonate with us and we look for the stage that will likely create the probabilities that will bring these manifestations, these objectives, these lessons, these love affairs to pass. Yet nothing is set in stone. This is how we pick a life. Okay, Now the, that stage might include a, a really bad time in Europe where divisiveness is splitting people, particularly in Germany. And there's this, there's this likely guy that's going to rise to a place of power and deceive and trick and and be a murderous person um but you would see that and you'd be like i want to go or i don't want to go or i'm going to go but i'm going to have an escape hatch okay you see the probabilities but then every single day week month year we choose again the stage. There's probabilities within the probabilities, which is why many people were not in harm's way when the tidal wave hit the Pacific Rim, which is why many people escaped um, Auschwitz and the concentration camps, which is why there's always exceptions to the rules and suddenly people who were in harm's way are no longer in harm's way and they have this unbelievable story to tell about it and it's because the probability didn't suit their objectives. Now, I know that that can open uh, up some tangent questions, and it sounds like I'm blaming. Blame is not a word that works in a spiritual conversation. There's no such thing as blame, fault, or victim in a spiritual conversation. But to the physical senses, wired to a timeline, it would seem the worst thing that could happen to anybody is death. Worse than that, maybe murder. Um, we don't take into account the full spectrum of reality, realizing that when one door closed, another one opens, and that all of us basically come here with certain objectives to be met, and there are times when those objectives are either met or they will no longer be reachable. And so we check out, we pass on. And if our passing can be made part of a gigantic statement that brings to light the evil potential of Adolf Hitler and or people that are marching to, in his lockstep, then there might be volunteers, so to speak, who step forward and do that. To the physical senses, all bad, makes no sense, terrible, icky. I am not justifying it. I am not saying it's okay. I'm not saying anything other than this is the nature of reality where we are all individual creators of what we experience and collectively we are the mass creators of what we experience, whether it is sunshine or raindrops or earthquakes or tsunamis or man-made disasters. We see the probabilities, we have reasons of our own, they align with our objectives and we say yay or nay. And then we experience them on a linear timeline. We don't create them on a linear timeline. Just because we witness them on a linear timeline does not mean that's the origin of these dramas as they play out. In ways I think a human mind can barely, if at all, fathom the mechanics of time and space produce exactly the intentions, the results, the dreams, the expectations of every single participant. We are all here willingly. We're all here in the heart of God. It's all playing to our greater good. Uh, everyone survives. Everyone goes on to a better place. Everyone is just walking each other home, as Ram Das so famously said. Uh, I would like to point out that on April 7th this year, many moons ago, um, I did a spiritual tune-up just on the Holocaust for a deeper dive into some of, uh, into understanding the hideous, disgust, that hideous, disgusting 
chapter of humanity. So I'm not justifying it. I'm just explaining as creators in a free will world where we knew shit was going to happen. It happens. And sometimes it serves our objectives and or there are other reasons of an infinite number of reasons why somebody might choose to partake. Not an easy one. John Bofello Adventures, Mike Dooley here to remind you that your thoughts become things and that all things are possible. This is a spiritual tune-up where every day, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, I answer your questions. Thanks for the great questions that you post below on Facebook and or Instagram. Today's question, on the heels of yesterday's talk about mass casualties and objectives, that each life has built-in objectives, goals, dreams, something to be accomplished. Well, that word uh, triggered something in some of you, and the question came up about purpose, meaning, objectives, love. Now, I got to share, if you've been with me for a while, you know, that's probably the most common question I've gotten again and again. I've answered it three times before, but each time I try to approach it from a different angle, and, and that's what I'll do again this fourth time in less than uh, two years. Uh, Mike, is there really such a thing as each of us having our own assigned higher purpose? If so, how do we know what it is and who decided what it would be? Or do we all have the same higher purpose with each of us choosing and creating the form that the form of the purpose that we follow? Yes. Everybody has an extraordinarily unique purpose that no other person can fill. And that purpose is being you. You are truly God's desire to come alive in the dream of life. You are truly the eyes and the ears through which God has never experienced reality. You are who God most wanted to be. Not God of a religion, but the divine essence, source energy that pulses through all reality. It came alive. It wanted to be alive. It is you and it is me. We are the same God substance peering through different pair of eyes, feeling with a different heart, hearing with different ears. Your pilgrimage into these sacred jungles of time and space is irreplaceable and it has never ex been experienced in the past, not in eternity backwards, nor eternity forwards, will God have the chance, God now has, to experience all through you, as you. You're not a guinea pig. You weren't sent down here so that God could, uh, you know, do remote control on you or kind of get a feel of what you're going through. You are God come alive as you, and this chance is fleeting. It'll never come again. Life has never been about what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to do anything. That would imply limits. There are no limits. That would imply destiny. There is no destiny. That would imply kind of a rote performance that a robot could do, none of which applies. Neither, neither are you here to put the needs of other people before your own. Your life will ultimately, as you follow your heart, become one of service. You can't not be of service, especially when you're moving to the beat of your own drummer. This is the design. Love, that happens along the way. Lessons, you learn those along the way. You didn't come here for love. You can't escape love. There is only love, so you don't have to worry about that. The lessons you learn, those are going to be your rungs on the ladder to the light. And the light in each case is your dreams. So by following your heart, you're going to be moving closer to the light and you're going to find that sometimes you stub your toe. Sometimes you can't find that rung on the ladder. And then it's going to be because there was confusion here. With a little introspection, you're going to be like, oh my God, it was me all along. Oh my God, I got in my own way. Oh my God, I thought too much. And then there are lessons. Lessons are not imposed upon you. Nobody has to learn a dang thing. But you'll want to learn where you're confused so that you can soar even closer to the light. And tests, I've talked about that many times. God does not impose tests. What would be the point of a test? To see if you passed it? You already passed all the tests. That's how you got here in these sacred jungles of time and space. 
There are zero tests. You can't get it wrong. You can only get it right. It is win, 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 win. So the answer to all questions about purpose and meaning, objectives and love is to follow your heart. It is your heart that led you here to choose this lifetime. You knew what you were doing from the zenith of your magnificence, from the God state that you came from to this other God state that you're confused about. You followed your heart here. Okay, I know you want to think in terms of beginnings and endings and God put me on earth. It's like you put yourself on earth. You have always been, you will always be. Time is an illusion. Even mainstream science knows this right now. So just chuck that equation out of the window. You always existed as this spark of God being who God most wants to be. Wants to be, not just wanted to be. He still, she still, it still wants to be you. So it was your heart, your desires, your uniqueness that led you to choose here and now to incarnate, to fall in love, to be loved, to rise above, to go back to the light and then do it all over again. And it is your heart that will dictate the objectives that will show up along the path. And you're going to be going down one path. I really want that. And then one day you're going to say, why did I ever want that? To please my mom? That's not a good reason. Let me go over here. Now that's the path you're on. This was a great lesson. You don't have to go pleasing anybody. Now you're on this path. Then this dream comes true. And then you're like, well, well that was really cool. Oh my God, I could go over here now. And then you go over there. It is your heart that always will lead you and never betray you. Follow your feelings. Follow your heart. Use your mind. Aim with your heart, steer with your mind. Aim, steer. Get a little logical. Don't get too logical. Now, if you've been messing with the cursed hows too long or the cursed shoulds too long, like how am I going to make that big dream come true? How am I ever going to be discovered? How am I going to write a book? How am I going to break out of this this trap I've created for myself? Or what should I do? What should I? There's, there's no shoulds. And there's no how that you should attach to at the outset of a journey. Okay. But if you've been messing with the hows, those are earlier spiritual tune-ups. If you've been messing with the hows, embroiled, entangled, messing with the shoulds, then you may be at a place in your life right now where you're like, and I, I know this feeling too well. It's really awful. It's like, I don't even know what I want anymore. You know, I, I did this. I was the goody two shoes. I studied hard. I got the CPA. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. You're so desensitized. You're like, great, follow your heart. But what does my heart want? I, my heart just wants a little peace and quiet. My heart just wants to hide out a little bit. My heart wants a rest. Give yourself the rest. You deserve the rest. Get rid of all that pressure that you have put on yourself with the help of a society who knew no better. Forgive them. They did not know. Give yourself that rest, but realize you chose to be here in the action. And life is about action. No one's life is about just sitting and contemplating. Of course, if your heart leads you there, you can go there. Okay, I, I don't want to split hairs here. But the point I'm making is... Showing up in the world is what's going to give you the most clarity. So if you don't have clarity today, after you've given yourself a time to chill out, then do the best you can to move in a direction that you think makes the most sense to ultimately bring you joy. Maybe it won't bring you joy right away. But if the alternative is to sit around and wait for clarity, just go. Just as I phrase it, if nothing else, choose the least sucky path before you. At least then you're moving. And I'm not saying marry it. I'm not saying love it. I'm not, it sucks, it's terrible, but it'll get you out in the world. And as you dream of joy and happiness and imagine the, the salty, happy tears coming down your face and the warm embraces and the hugs and the camaraderie and the cooperation and the joy, as you dream that and show up in the world, then you're reachable. Then that sucky job is removed and you're lifted higher. Taking action breeds clarity and it's true of matters of the heart. Don't wait for clarity. 99 times out of 100, don't wait for clarity. Go, do stuff, baby stuff, little stuff, down the least sucky paths. 
be there, fully present, do your best, show up a little early, stay a little late, say yes, I'll do it, I'll carry that load. Everybody's going to want some of that. And then your view starts improving and people start offering you opportunities and it might be the customer who walks in the retail store and says, there's something special about you. I've got a project. Do you want to join me? Or somebody inside that store is going to say, hey, we need to bring you up to management or we need to bring you over to design or to this or to that. Or somebody will walk outside of the storefront and they're going to give you an idea because of what they're wearing or what they're doing or the conversation you overheard. The magic will reach you if you're out of your house. So get out, get out and go. Do the least sucky thing. It's better than nothing. And then you will be raised higher. The final point I wanted to make here is on service. You know, putting the needs of others before your own. As I said, you will be of the greatest service. It will be an automatic. Your whole life will come around to a place of service when you follow your heart. But if you try to do service before you follow your heart, there will be resentment. There will be anger. There will be frustration. It doesn't, it, you're not going to help many people if you put the needs of others before your own. That will come naturally. As your star rises, you have more fun, you have the abundance, you have the friends, you have the clarity. The thing you most want to do is help others. It's like, dang, your life is so good. You're like, God, this is so great. I want to live forever. I could cry happy tears every single day. And you're like, but so many people don't have this. So many people don't know this. So many people are lost and confused and don't know how much they're loved and their life must be a haunted mansion. It's so bad. And you're like, let me help. Let me show them. Let me whisper in their ear. Let me give them a leg up. Your life will become service, but let it happen naturally. It'll happen sooner than you think. And if you feel so inclined right now, then go do that right now. Do it in tandem to other things. But think not that you need to serve at the expense of your own joy. The day will come when your greatest joy will be service. Let that happen naturally. Jumbo fellow adventurers, time for a spiritual tune-up. Happy Thursday. I'm Mike Dooley and your thoughts become things. Today's question along the lines of where we've been lately, uh, if we are inclined to succeed, why do some people get sick and die? Specifically, I want to believe, Mike, that we are all inclined to succeed and have good health as I teach. But being a devil's advocate, in order to truly understand this, I have to ask, how about the millions of people who don't get better from an illness and who die? All the children and young adults who don't become healthy again? Or how about the people who live in war-torn countries or who lost every family member in genocides? How did life work to their advantage if they spend so much of it in misery and fear? It makes sense for some of us, this theory that life is this banquet and we're pushed on to greatness, inclined to succeed. It makes sense for some of us, but for others, it's just a sad endeavor. All right. Well, great question. Honest question. Ask the questions, not just of me, but of yourself, because the answers are only a breath away and they will fill in that tapestry of understanding that will then empower you to see the truth, to be pushed on to greatness, to harness the unfailing winds of the divine. All right, so here we go. The, the presumption that underlies this question, the presumption is that hardship or sickness and death, poverty and genocide is evidence that we don't create our own reality. That doesn't add up at all. I'm sorry, there's, there's a lot of assumptions in that. Uh, beginning with the, the presumption that a sickness or the moment of death characterizes someone's entire life. You know, this is certainly not the case. Somebody could live in love and joy with a mommy and a daddy and friends and laughter. And whether they die at nine years old or 90 years old, the moment of death does not characterize the entire life, nor does it prove that thoughts don't become things or that we're not inclined to succeed. This is really fundamentally important. And from the Western 
interpretation. We look to people, you know, in the United States, for example, we look to people in uh, living in impoverished countries, uh, war-torn countries, and we think, oh my God, how how awful for them. Their whole life must be riddled with misery and fear. Whereas we easily neglect that here we're running around chasing idols, uh, chasing the dollar, separated from our family in our teenage years, sometimes never to return home as we go off and live in big cities. Whereas somebody in an impoverished country, while they might have far fewer uh, physical amenities and advantages, uh, they have togetherness, they have bonds, they have a building of love and cooperation, an entirely different set of priorities. And so for us from the West to think, oh my gosh, you know, they're hungry. Well, they're not always hungry. And that's not all that constitutes our life. And that doesn't mean we don't reach out and help with aid and uh, any other way that we can help with prayer and with positive thinking. But don't think that they have it so bad where in fact, it's perhaps many in the West who have lost their soul um, in the name of progress, uh, far more so than those in the East. I would also like to point out that even in sickness, almost all sicknesses, except the really extreme cases, which are a microscopic percent of the, the total, even in sickness, we have health, we have love, we have friends, we have money, we uh, have cell phones, we have TVs, uh, we have the opportunity for cooperation and community building. So again, sickness is, is not the end of the world. And too often, as I've shared in the past, we tend to think with our limited perspectives that death is the absolute worst thing that could happen to anybody. Where in fact, with spiritual lenses, we realize that it is when one door closes that another one opens and the homecoming parade starts playing and the bands start marching and happy tears gush galore, rivers of joy until you're ready for the next adventure. So this idea that, you know, sickness is all bad or death is like the worst thing that can happen. I get from a human perspective, uh, it could be seen as the worst thing that happens, but you're more than human and you must use more than your human faculties, the depth of your wisdom and understanding, your emotional insights to get a handle on the nature of reality and realize that no one dies before their time. As I have illustrated below, as we've talked about this week, this is a fair point to make. And when they do die, that doesn't characterize their entire life. And let me also speak to the fact that adversity and challenges sicknesses, diseases, these always come about from the evil spirits I told you of the other day. Evil spirits as defined by, I think it was uh, Dolores Cannon, as envy, greed, confusion, heartbreak, loneliness, resentment. Those are the evil spirits. These, these, um, ailments, if you will, these manifestations that are unintended and that are really yucky, no disputing that, they come about as a collision between your dreams, dream of champagne caviar, love and laughter, hot travel, travel partner. Woo! You've got these dreams. That's why we have them because they get you out in the world. But when your dream collides with confusion, AKA an evil spirit, AKA invisible limiting beliefs. I'm gonna travel the world with this travel partner. I'm gonna live happily ever after, except I'm really not that worthy and people are jerks and I don't have enough money and it doesn't grow on trees, you know. This collision, if you let them butt heads enough, will lead to a sickness, uh, a cancer, a resentment, anger, other manifestations that are your wake up call. Do you, do you think having a dream is a curse or a proof that thoughts don't become things? No. Do you think having confusion is proof that thoughts don't become things? No. 
These things show up so that we can learn who we really are and find out the truth and go within, ask some new questions, and then the dreams come true. And we live like we couldn't even have imagined prior to the collision. So the dream is a gift, not a curse. And so is the manifestation of sickness or health because now you realize you're missing something. And until you figure it out, and it's only a breath away, you're not going to get that dream to come true. Whatever the dream may be, yet you're inclined to figure it out. You're inclined to keep on dreaming. You're inclined to self-correct. This is your nature. You can so do it. If you don't know the truth, then you feel lost and overwhelmed and I can't get there and I need to be forgiven and I need the this power and that power and karmic for karmic whatever and we turn it into a complicated equation and we don't realize our inclination to succeed so again there's nothing bad that happens in time and space with physical senses because you see every time you stub your toe or you get a cancer or have other unintended manifestations this is a leg up should you choose to accept it to greater understanding and greater truths. And when calamities befall a civilization like COVID, it's time for the entire civilization to do the same introspection so that we can and will rise, it's our nature, to a higher vibration, more love, more acceptance, more tolerance, more empathy, more compassion, more dreams come true, more bling, 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 more international travel with travel partners living the life of your dreams. That's what it's about. And we're at a primitive time in the evolution of consciousness so that it doesn't seem like it could be that easy. It doesn't seem like it's that way. But look, even with our heads in the sand as a species, Humanity is still thriving. Oh my God. How many people are dead and dying in a hospital today? A minuscule amount compared to everyone else out there in the sunshine. And the ones in the hospital can and will come out unless their time is done, their objectives have been met in this lifetime or can no longer be met. Then they will want to go to where the door opens up elsewhere and there'll be more adventures where they can meet their objectives. It's like the most perfect system imaginable. And we are on the razor's edge, the cutting edge of reality creation here. The eyes and the ears of God Almighty hanging 10 on our surfboards, too easily distracted by what seems to be ugly without realizing that they are all invitations to up our game and live in joy. So that the ancestors that come before us, who all are waiting to have a cushy life, can look at us the pioneers and be like, dang, man, they had guts. Oh my God. Can you imagine being born into the lap, uh, into heaven's gardens and not know you're in heaven and to think that it's conspiring against you and to think that you're vulnerable and feeble and that you might not make it out alive? The, this is the wild, wild west that we now live in. Uh, and, and as far as being born in war-torn, war-torn countries or born into fathom, Famine. Uh, I've, I've talked to this lightly in this talk, and I've talked to it several times in the past. We choose our lives based on probabilities, and we will clearly see. Well, if I go to you know Miami Beach, um, none of my friends are going to be there, and they're all going to be chasing money. And so you know, but if I'm over here in the you know the the western coast of Africa, there's going to be a lot of camaraderie, a little bit of hunger. Might be a war, there might not be a war, but all of my friends are going to be there and we're going to be learning some of the same lessons about compassion and, and thoughts becoming things and dreams coming true and working together. It's like, hey, you know, it might be a shorter life over here on the west coast of Africa than over there, but I'm not going to sell my soul. And so they go and they see the probabilities and every single day they measure their objectives with the probabilities that exist and they decide to stay or not stay and it all works out which doesn't mean we don't help those who could stand to be helped, whether it's through donations or time, uh, donations, uh, service, etc. So it's a perfect world, all is well. It might not look like we're all inclined to succeed, but we are, and, and it should not be assumed that when somebody has a cancer or a hungry belly or is dying in the hospital, that this isn't serving them in the most mightiest of ways, which is not an excuse not to help them.
Jumbo, fellow adventurers, happy Friday. Mike Dooley here to remind you that your thoughts become things. That's the three fingers. Uh, time for a spiritual tune-up. Given it's a Friday, given that there are infinite possibilities before us, given that the last five days we've been deep into metaphysics, let's do something a little bit lighter. I love the question I got last night. Uh, this question, very simply, how to find love, new love. Mike, my thoughts are to find someone to share a loving relationship with. You speak about taking steps towards your goal. What are some helpful steps other than online dating that could ease whatever is holding me back? Well, definitely online dating, okay? Even if you don't feel right about it, every step you take in the direction of a dream unleashes magic. And it might not be the door you knock on, but because you knocked on this door, you did online dating, you set up a profile, you put it out there. Now the tipping point has been reached with a belief in your inevitable success and other good stuff starts happening. Other good stuff that could not have happened had you not knocked on that door. Every little thing you do makes a difference. But there's more to do than just online dating. And yes, you can, you can, can, you can, succeed without online dating. But hey, why wouldn't you knock on every door, turn over every stone? Don't make excuses, all right? So three little steps here. First, be happy now. You live your life in paradise. You're loved and adored. There's support mechanisms everywhere. The universe is pressing out to you love and joy and confidence and creativity. Love your life now. Be happy now. If you're thinking to yourself, gosh, everything's great, but I just want that travel partner. I just want that, that person to complete my life. Then I will be so happy. You're pushing it away. You're pushing it away. You are putting out an energy of incompleteness, incompleteness. I am not yet happy. Who wants that? Nobody wants to be with that. You don't want to be with somebody out there who's like incomplete, incomplete. And then they see you and you're like, you complete me. And they make you the object of their desire. Might sound good at first, but no, it's not. Because now you are the, the, the way they define happiness. And if you have a mood or if you're not there 24-7, they throw a fit because they don't know how to be their own source of happiness. So now... You be your own source of happiness, regardless of external circumstances, regardless of your single status. Do not obsess on your single status. There's so much more to life. Do not think you are cursed because you're single. Do you know how many people in a relationship would love to be in your shoes right now with the opportunity to start over with infinite possibilities before them? You are blessed right now. This is the pendulum swinging. And right now it's swung towards single. And even if you've been there for 45 years, it's ready to swing back the other way. And you could not be in this position if you were attached to somebody else. You are poised for greatness. You have been blessed by this ability to have a clean slate. See yourself as complete for that reason alone. And do not hinge your happiness nor self-love on circumstances. Anybody else that you could possibly date will sense this. Whether or not they're evolved or not, they will sense this. And anybody who's attracted to somebody who is feeling that incomplete is going to be feeling really incomplete themselves. And this is not a good relationship. So be happy. Be happy. The universe adores you. The universe is going to show up in the guise of a person who is also happy. And the two of you are going to be happy together. And it's going to go to places you can't even imagine if and when you're happy first. So be happy now. Being single is setting you up. Number two of three, get out into the physical world and mingle with people. Don't get out into the physical world and garden. Okay, that, that's okay, but you got to mingle with people. Don't get out into the physical world and ride horses and walk dogs. Okay, that's okay. But if you want people in your life, and we are all people persons, every last one of us, you didn't come here to commune with nature alone. I'm all for nature, but you came here to learn and love and be loved. That's what's brought this question to mind. So go out where you can be lovable and you can be reachable. Think not 
that when you're ready, the person will show up at your door. They're not. They're going to show up when you're out and about. You've told the universe, divine intelligence, through imagery, that you're ready for a new adventure into love. And the universe is like, I know, I know, 7 billion people. We're going to pick a few for you. But you've got to get out of the house. So go to the mall, go volunteer, go be of service, join a club, get on your homeowners association. I do. Uh, not for, for, for love, but uh, go... Be present. Live your outrageously awesome life. The world is desperate for more of you. And when you're out there, you're going to be reachable. And while you go out there, tell your friends. Tell folks, yeah, I'm single and I'm, uh, you know somebody, I'll go on a blind date. Just get the word out there. Get the vibe out there. Like I said at the outset of this, any little thing you can do in that direction, especially moving towards mingling with people, will ramp up a heightened sense of expectation and unleash magic. So you might tell this friend, hey, I'm ready for some blind dates. That demonstration is going to have somebody else cross your path next time you go to the grocery store. So unconnected, but so connected because everything is defining your vibe. And if your vibe is I am ready and I'll do what it takes, then the universe is like, Bring it on. Here we go. You're out there. You're reachable. So go out physically and or given that this is the coronavirus, you know, pandemic time and there's social distancing still in play and vaccines or not vaccines, masks or not masks. If for some reason you are not going to go out physically and mingle with the world. And by now there's really, you well, I live in Florida. Everybody's living a normal life right here. And I'm not saying that that's the way it should be. Um, but if you are not able to go do that life, then do it online. There's a whole world out there of people similarly looking for love and opportunity and moreover adventure. And you can find them online. Then you can both meet up under circumstances that you both approve of. All right. So go and mingle, play, serve. Number three of three. This is... Well, they're all super important, but this one is the most overlooked. And I've shared this before in other spiritual tune-ups. Continue to live a well-balanced life. I know that when you have an acute desire for your life to bloom in romantic ways or to find a career or to live in financial abundance or to have peace and clarity or finally to be healed, when there is an acute desire. It's easy to let it blind you to all else that's happening or could potentially be happening in your life. I mean, I know you want to heal, but you've now got love. You've got a career. You've got money. Go use those things. Go play in those things. Go further develop those things. As again, I've shared before, I think the one thing that finally helped me find somebody in my late 40s who I married in my, when I turned 50, um, was the fact that I was at peace being single. And number two, so importantly, I worked on other areas of my life. I mean, if somebody's not there, they're not there. And pining about it and feeling bad about it and feeling cursed about it is just going to make the other areas of your life start coming undone. So instead, go make hay, go Dive into a business, launch a business, dive into other areas of your life, including hobbies and nature and trees, because on the relationship front, you're going to be engaging with people. Now, let the other areas of your life blossom so that you can find joy, so that you can be all that you aim to be, all that you're capable of being, so that when somebody does come along, you've got this amazing life to share. And don't be daunted. Don't be like, oh, well, I, I can't start all those things now. You can do you can do all those things now and you don't have to take them to unbelievable heights, but you can take them to a place where they bring you joy. So serve, volunteer, walk, exercise, develop hobbies, adopt a pet, adopt a child. There's so many things you can do to live an amazing life that will bring you joy now and make it easier for you to love yourself. 
and thereby make it easier to be a magnet for others to love you as well. You're in a great place if this is where you are right now. I remember my mom used to say when I would pine for decades as an adult, uh, you know, like, oh, I wish I had somebody in my life. And she said, you don't know how lucky you are. Just enjoy your freedom. Enjoy being single. Enjoy all the things you can enjoy that you cannot enjoy when you're in a relationship. And, and that always rang true and made me feel better. And it set me up to be the kind of person that would attract the amazing woman that I attracted into my life. So you can do the same. Life is awesome. Don't obsess on it. You've been blessed. Make hay in the areas in your life you can make hay because soon they're going to be neglected for the love that you find and that has found you. It is easy. You're blessed. You're guided. It's working out perfectly. You were supposed to be single right now so that you could immediately be available for the right person. It's all working out to your highest and greatest good. Well, there you have it. One more week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you just saw or heard, please share with a friend, uh, thumbs up, like, follow, whatever may be the case on the platform you're now experiencing this. If you want more inspiration every single day, I send out a note from the universe. Right now, it's going out to a million people. We'd love to add you to that list. Enjoy. Thoughts become things. See you next time.